People of God, we look together in the Word of God in 2 John. 2 John. Our focus will be verses 4 through 6. We'll read together all the, the entirety of the book. We don't do that very often, but we get the whole context in 13 verses. So 2 John People of God, hear the good news of salvation and God's glorious work in his people. The elder, to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we, ha- we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds." Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Well, people of God, you may have remembered, we have looked a few times, uh, several times at this book of the Bible together. And we do so again in this evening hour, uh, focusing on these verses 4, 5, and 6. They are themselves the outline. And so we look together at these verses uh, with the theme of love in the truth. Love in the truth. And that means that we are those who are walking in the truth. We are walking in the truth with one another. Uh, We are walking in the truth in obedience and we walk forward. We, we walk at a steady pace in the context of the future. So those four points uh, we'll look at as we look together at this uh, biblical theme of walking or love in the truth. Love in the truth. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in the truth. I rejoiced greatly. Well, people of God, one of the, the great theme, one of the great joys 
uh, as a pastor that I have had in the years, and, and I share that joy with uh, the elders, uh, is when a young person or a convert uh, would come before us and would declare that they would, were walking in the truth, trusting in Jesus Christ, and give their testimony concerning that to us as they were then in that process of professing their faith publicly, in which all who have professed their faith publicly in this way have been found to be those children walking in truth. Well, I would say all in its, in its theological context that I think that every single person who's made profession of faith is, continues to walk their whole lives. We know that doesn't always happen. There are different seeds on different soil, but we praise God because the, certainly the vast majority of those who have professed uh, their faith, <clears throat> at least in our context, do so in a way in which they continue to walk in the truth or love in the truth. And uh, the elder, John the Apostle, says, I rejoice greatly. I rejoice greatly. And so it is a great joy when we as a church of Jesus Christ, as a pastor or elders or parents, as we see children walking in the truth, what a great joy that is. And we would stand right alongside the Apostle John so many years ago and rejoice with them whenever we see that happening within the context of the church of Jesus Christ, in whatever circumstance that may be. Most often in our context, it is those who have been trained and, and taught that truth from their uh, from the, the beginning of their lives in the context of the church, and we rejoice greatly. It is a great joy to see those people walking in the truth. And that, that would be true uh, for the children in this context. is not simply children, uh, but it is all of the children of the elect lady in verse 1. So it's all of us who are walking in the truth. And John the Apostle, as he's looking over the congregation that he's writing to here, he says, I, read, I see you walking in the truth, that loving in the truth, and what a great joy that is to me, as it is to other believers as well. We are rejoicing greatly. However, there is also the reality that is set before, I rejoice greatly that I have found, I have found. Now that phrase, I have found, sets before us this truth. As, as we identify those who are walking in the truth, this phrase points out that not all that John would have hoped to be walking in the truth are walking in the truth. As he goes on to, to point out in, in the next section of this, of the, of this book, uh, there are those who have forsaken the truth, that they are deceivers and they have gone out into the world and, and they are within the church and they have been in the church and now they have abandoned the truths of the church, of the scripture, of the true church. And that, of course, doesn't bring us great joy. That brings us great sorrow. And so, though we rejoice greatly, we also recognize that not all 
will walk in that truth. They will abandon the truth. And it is also that which pains us as God's people and grieves us as God's people when we see that as well. Now, the elder says that he has found some of your children. That also is an element that is important for us because that he finds them means that he was examining in order to find something. It doesn't mean that he's found it like we may be walking along the street and not really paying much attention and and seeing a coin on the ground. And yeah, well, if it's a penny or anything, we reach down and pick it. At least I do. Uh, We reach down and we pick it up and, and we found it. But we weren't really looking for it. But John is looking. He's examining to find. And that's what we ought to do, too, as the people of God. It's a and to examine, it's an examination uh, of one another. Uh, and when we examine one another and we find walking in the truth, when we find love in truth, we rejoice. It's a great thing. And it is, it is not something uh, that in that sense surprises us. We may expect to find it, but we need to examine and look closely. So uh, there is... No evil thing, it's a, it's a pattern that John has declared to us that within the context of the church, it's not a bad thing to be examined. So you young people, if you're examined for profession of faith, you look, well, I don't know why they have to do that. Well, we're following an example of John. It's a, it's a basic pattern of Christian discipleship and maturity. It is not something that's bad at all. It's a good thing to be examined and Ultimately, to examine one another as we seek to walk in the truth. Now, this walk in truth and love, I rejoice greatly that I've found some of your children walking in the truth as we received commandment from the Father. So here's the command. Walk in truth. That's a command that God has given us. Now, we know that it's tied to love in the context uh, from verse 1 and 2. Uh, we, we see that love and truth are tied together. And I see that as love being the, the implementation of the truth. Love, you could think of as, as life and truth, as doctrine. So there's, there's doctrine, truth, and life together. It's not one versus the other. It's the two going together. But we are now given this command by the Father. There are some that think in the power of the Spirit and in the Spirit age, we no longer have commandments. We're just led by the Spirit. And of course, we know that that is totally inconsistent with the New Testament revelation. There, are, there continues to be the commandments that God gives us. They are not bad. They are very good. And we rejoice that God has commanded us. And this one command is walk in the truth. Walk, life, truth, doctrine, they both are necessary in order for us to fulfill God's command to do that. We live out of, when we're walking in truth, we live out of the reality of the truth. The truth of the word of God. 
the truth of the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ, who is a revelation of the truth, who himself is the truth, the truth of the gospel. We live out of the reality. We walk in the context of the reality of the, of the gospel. God sent his Son. Jesus came, verse 7, and that section emphasizing the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that truth is essential for our walk, that he died for our sin, that he paid for it, he rose from the dead. These truths are part of that truth. In addition to the the truth that informs us what love is, we walk in the truth. But it also says, your children walking in the truth. We received commandment from the Father. And here we have that communal and uh, that communal expectation of obedience we walk together it is not a well i'm a i'm a believer and i can walk by myself i do not need the church i do not need others it's an elect lady and her children there's an individual element and there is a communal element which runs through this whole book and so we walk together We walk. We receive the commandment. And so we walk as a community, not as a person by themselves. I've heard it many times. Uh, I talked to a young woman. She said, I don't need the church. I have the Bible. Well, if you have the Bible and that's important to you, then you ought to know that you have to be part of the church because it says that we walk together. You're part of the church. You're part of the elect lady and her children. And the Father's command is that we walk together in truth. That's part of the command. We receive the commandment. Children walking in truth. Walking in truth together not as an individual isolated from the church of Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about walking in uh, love, uh, loving in truth or walking in truth, it's a communal activity. And, 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 And then it is the walking in truth is an illustration of loving in truth. The word walking and loving are almost interchangeable here. To love is to put the truth into action. Love has a different connotation than just simply walking because there is within us uh, uh, the love that we would have for others is certainly action, but it's, it's more than action. We think, read 1 Corinthians 13 and, and we know that that love is patient, it's kind. Uh, but there's an emotive element to it as well. We are stirred within us. We, we have a love that affects our emotional response to people so that we can rejoice when they rejoice and mourn when they mourn. And so the Lord sets before us this love for one another. And that love is then pointed out, particularly in verse 5. And now I plead with you, lady, again, this church as a whole, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And so there is this command that we would have love for one another. And we're 
also then commanded to love our enemies, love our neighbor, but in particular that we have this love for one another within the context of the church of Jesus Christ and the community of faith. Again, this is no new commandment, which is so obvious from uh, the word of God given uh, throughout uh, the scripture. In Leviticus 19.18, very obvious that this isn't a new commandment. Uh, it's, uh, we, we would hear it often. Uh, you shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in the context immediately following one of the declarations of the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, you shall walk in all the ways, just after we get the Ten Commandments, all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Walking in all the ways. And then in verse in chapter 6, just a few verses later, verses 4 and following, that great declaration of the Old Testament in the context of a law that reveals to us what love is. The law is that definition of love. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. There is no new commandment. But, there is all, but the fact is there remains a commandment without a doubt. It is a commandment. Walk Love in truth. That's the commandment. Love in truth. Love one another. And so it's obviously clear that this, uh, that the truth of God's word and the, and the nature of the law in God, the life of God's redeemed people, there is a consistency between Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy 6, the summary of the commandments, and the command that we have today from God concerning walking in the truth, the truth of what love is according to the commands of God. We are, as God's people, to walk in this consistent way. We have heard it from the beginning. The apostles are declaring it. The people of God receive it. Have they received this truth? You know, from the garden throughout all of redemptive history, it comes to us. And that is within the church of Jesus Christ, the elect lady and her children to love one another. Now that walk is a walk that is ultimately clearly obedient. And that we have from the beginning that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. Again, it spells it out. And it's not just like, well, now we have one commandment. uh, Love one another. Love God in love. It's way more than ten. It's all over the word of God. And it's not a bad and evil thing. It is a good thing. And so we are to walk in obedience to the commandments. 
And this is that which you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. That you, again, a plural, accomplished by the we, but it's walking in the commandments. This life of obedience. The people of God, it is no more than the very summary of the great commission that Jesus Christ gave in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. There it is, the the life of discipleship and obedience to God. We have that set before us. And Jesus said and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Teaching them to teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Observe, to examine it closely and to follow it and to live it out in a love relationship with others. So in the context of evangelism, Matthew 28, we have a command to teach the law. Some people say that uh, we need to teach the gospel. Well, of course we, we bring the gospel. But what is the gospel? The gospel is in the context of teaching them all that I have commanded you. And that law that convicts us of our sin. And then commends us to a life of living and walking in love. That evangelism, that, that basic arena of disciples, make disciples of all nations. One of the very first books that I read as a believer was a book entitled, Disciples Are Made, Not Born. Disciples. Now, all true believers are born again. But we are engaging in discipleship. And we do that with our children when we have devotions with them. We do that when we're walking along the way and we start up a conversation about the nature of the Christian faith and how it applies. We do it when we are responding to the, the, uh, the lies and the deception of the world which, is, which we are bombarded with. And we could walk through a store and you're bombarded with it. Maybe you shouldn't walk in that store anymore. But the point is, is that the lies and deception of Satan are before us all the time. And we need to teach and we need to know and we need to grow in discipleship and have this Christian worldview so that we can respond to the world with the truth of the gospel and not just respond uh, with a, a negative declaration. In this past week, we may have heard that uh, there is a, uh, a Satanist that has been hired by a, a store, and, and, and this uh, Satanist is, in, is in, ingrained in this, this so-called transgender uh, world, and and he declared to everyone that Satan 
is behind the transgender world, the transgender um, movement. And I went, well, that's true. He got that one right. Because Satan does everything he can do to distort and destroy the created norms and destroy the church of Jesus Christ and destroy humanity. And of course, he's, good. he's behind it. He's I, absolutely. And I see a number of people who respond and say, well, that's terrible that he said that. That's actually true. It's actually true. But it's... A tr- It's a declaration in which the person thinks that what they're saying is truth. But it's not truth, it's a lie. But what isn't a lie is that Satan is involved in it. That's not a lie. That's truth. But the great tragedy is this person and all kinds of other people believe the lie of Satan. Instead of walking in the commandments of God and loving in truth. Now, should we talk to others about this? It, wouldn't it be offensive? Someone might think it's offensive. Well, people of God, the Word and the Gospel is almost always offensive, isn't it? And of course we ought to declare that. But we ought to get not just to the the surface sin, but to the underlying sin as well. For instance, in the transgender movement, uh, of course, uh, this this thought that that I can declare myself to be uh, a, a man in a female body or a female in a man's body, and we could say, we could, we could address that, and, and we can, and it's not inappropriate to address that. But the problem, there's a deeper problem with that whole mindset. It actually goes back to, to ancient philosophers, at least pagan philosophers arising even in the Western culture, who say something like, I think, therefore I am. Now, what does that have to do with transgender? Because that's not true. I think, therefore I am. That's a lie of Satan too. It isn't be, I don't exist because I think. I exist because God created me. And so there's almost no difference between saying, I think, therefore I am, and saying, I am a man in a woman's body. They both have a fundamental error in reality and in the created order. And we address the underlying false religious view. It's a false religion. It's not just a false understanding of my sexuality. It's a false religion. It's tied to something deeper. And we address it with the truth of God's word. The truth of creation. The truth of redemption. And that is not inappropriate. There was a historic debate. Not, I mean, there's always a historic, it's probably, but it, it surfaced in, in the last 40 years under a theme called Lordship Salvation. 
And that meant that the question was, do we declare that Jesus is Lord when we evangelize? Do we talk about that He is the one we need to obey? Do we talk about that to be a true disciple, you need to be that you need to hear his word and obey his commandments as is so clearly declared in 2 John here. Do we do that? Or do we just tell people, ask Jesus into your heart and he'll forgive your sins. You know, he's our savior. Don't worry about that lordship business. People might get offended. They might get scared away. So just talk to them about how Jesus saves you. But people of God, Jesus saves us from our false religion. And he saves us from our false understanding of what truth and and error is. And he saves us from our sin. And he saves us from the dominion of Satan by being our glorious Lord. Which is not an evil thing. It is good news that Jesus is the Lord who gives us commandments and that we walk in love in truth. What a joyous thing that is. What a blessing from God that is. What good news to those who are dead in sin, who are enslaved to commandments that are contrary to God's commandments, who think that which is evil is good, and whose lives are in misery and disorder and turmoil. It is nothing more, people of God, than rejoicing in the the great commandment that Jesus is Lord. When we talk about loving in truth, we are declaring Jesus is Lord and He's my Lord and I rejoice that He is Lord of my life. We do not flee from that reality, which also points out this theme within our text. We received, verse 4, commandment from the Father. Verse 6, this is the commandment that you have heard, that we, in verse 6, that we walk according to His commandment. His commandment. A commandment from the Father. The law in the life of the believer is never simply a matter of obedience to a commandment. It is a living relationship with God. It is a living relationship to God. It isn't simply that there is a moral group of of what is declared to be good and bad, and that this morality is here, and then my relationship with God over here. No, this morality is tied to my relationship with God. They are one and the same. Jesus is Lord, is totally consistent and united with walk in the truth, love in the truth. And the only way to, and, but that is a living relationship with God. It is fellowship with God. 
there are those who declare that in our world, everyone has a right to do their own, they, they can have this personal choice that they can declare whatever they want to declare as truth or error. And that is the very opposite of what it means to be a child of God. It is to acknowledge that there is truth. The truth is tied to commandments. And that's all tied to love. And that's tied to our relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, people of God, the Lordship of Jesus Christ is good news to us. And isn't that what we confess in one of those most beloved of confessional declarations? What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own. That I am not my own. Uh, that in, in a world that declares that you all have a choice to make a decision on what is right and wrong, and I can do whatever I want with my own body, what is the good news of discipleship, lordship, and walking in love? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with His precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things work together for my salvation. And because I belong to Him, Christ by the Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. To love in truth. Amen. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Word that ties together doctrine, life, and our relationship to you, our Father. We thank you that that comes in the context of being blessed, that it comes in the context of knowing that grace, mercy, and peace come to us from our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and in love. We thank you for all that Christ has given us. We thank you he is Lord, Savior, Redeemer. And you are our God. And we would seek to obey all the commands that you give. Forgive us where we fall short. Cleanse us and make us ever more those who would serve you and have more love expressed to you as we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.